Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Grab your Bibles, and we will get started in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we will be in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 18 through 31. And as you know, we've been in a series called Strong, and having a strong soul, a strong church, a strong faith, and we're going through 1 Peter as he lays out our themes, and then we look starting last week, at marriages and how to have a strong marriage. And Peter addresses the wives first, then he addresses the men second. And you may say, you know what, I'm single or uh, I'm widowed and this doesn't really have anything to do with me. It does. It has everything. All of this has to do with all of us. God's Word is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction. All of God's Word speaks to us. You can learn if you're young and maybe in school still and you're not married, pay close attention because what the world tells you is completely wrong. But what God tells you is absolutely right. And when you wear this, when you take this on, it gives you discernment in how to choose a spouse. And so it's very applicable to all of us. And so as we look at First Peter, uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, addresses the women. You, we, yes, uh, last Sunday, we went into some background of what was happening in the Greco-Roman Roman world towards women. Now, don't assume that what was happening in one place was happening at all the places at all the times. This is not true. It's not that generalized. But in fact, there were some women that were high profile, even published. You can imagine what that's like being published uh, back in those days, I mean, you, you had to take a hammer and a chisel to get published. So women that were published and had some, an enormous amount of influence, but there were also, which was the norm, there was a lot of abuse, no rights in a home. The patriarch made all of the decisions. In fact, infanticide was legal for girl babies. Isn't that interesting? You could literally, in fact, some of the writings that I, I was referenced to and read talked about uh, women had a right to go to the hill to get rid of the, the girl babies, and it was infanticide. In fact, we even do that today. We do uh, abortions based on sex selection. And even in our, gosh, in the last year, you've heard politicians uh, pushing for not only late-term term abortions, but pure infanticide. The moment after birth, if a attempted abortion uh, was failed and a baby was born alive, then you can't, that's called infanticide, it's called murder. So back then they had it too. And it, back then it was okay and condemned by God. And today it's condemned by God as well. So when you look at this, you know, ladies were in a tough situation, just like the Christians were. Here they were in a godless society. Uh, some of the readings I read, uh, uh, from some of the writings of that day, they made it clear that the woman and the kids had to worship whatever God the man chose. And so in this context, when you read this passage and you see why did he write six times more verses to women than he did men, the reason is because they found themselves in a tough situation. By the way, is spiritually an emancipation for all women. Because 
First of all, he's addressing women right in the church through a letter for thousands of years to read, which is unheard of. Secondly, he's coaching them. Now listen, if you find yourself married to an unbelieving husband, you're in a bind. And let me tell you how to act. And I'm sure as the church, those five churches read that letter, they're like, wow, he's addressing ladies and just lifting them up. If it were not for Christianity then there is no evidence that any other religion, any other politician, any other movement, any other tyranny would have raised women up to the level they should be. Amen? So don't ever let people say that we're Neanderthal or we're backwards in the way that women are treated, and it's because of Christianity. That, my friend, is a lie and historically proven to be a lie. So going back into 1 Peter, we see this section, verse 1, wives in the same way, in the same way we all are to submit, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband, not to anybody else's, to your husband, so that even if some disobey the Christian message, in other words, a woman married to a man that doesn't follow Christ, they may be won over. The man may be won over without a word by the wives. When they observe, there's something that they can see. There's something you and I can see in true believers that know Jesus and surrender Him. It is a pure and reverent life. It's a heart that beats. It's, it's a rhythm of the language. It's, it's what comes out of your gestures and your gait. It's something about you that's constantly pointing to Christ. It's your essence. It's your spiritual DNA. And he says, let that be your beauty. Don't wear all the elaborate gold. There's nothing wrong with it, but don't let that be your beauty. We talked about that last week for verse 5. For in the past, the holy women who hoped in God also beautified themselves in this way. In other words, be careful who you admire, ladies. Be careful who you admire. Admire godly women who can lead you. For instance, if you were wanting to ride a bike real fast, real far, you would probably find somebody that has done it and has accomplished, and can coach you, and can lead you in that way. Say that's your discipline. That's what you want. So you would find those that have done it really, really well, and you talk to them. So young ladies, listen, find these godly women around you, and, and, and get to know them. Say, hey, will you take me to lunch? And they will say, absolutely, I'll take you to lunch. And you just let them download into your soul. Instead of just following whatever's on Facebook, or whatever's on 912-1365, whatever it is these days. And just, just get it from Jesus, not from the flesh. Anyway, so careful who you admire. Now, here he says, husbands, live with your wives. Look what it says. In the same way, live with your wives with understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers may be hindered. So he, he's telling us, first of all, that women have a way to live, and men have a way to live. And so marriage, how many of you realize marriage can get really, really complicated very, very quick, right? I mean, it doesn't take long, does it? Some don't even make it through the honeymoon without a big knockdown drag out. Trust me, that, that happens. I mean, don't trust me because that's what happened to us. But trust me, these things can happen. I've heard of these things happening. I'll just say it that way. Marriage can be very tough. There is enough flesh in me to ruin our marriage. Christians have an old nature and a new nature, right? We have, we have an old nature that we're used to. It's the old tape recorder going off in our head. We have flesh, desires that crave within us, and we live among the world. So you have those three things going against you as a Christian. And you can flip into the flesh real fast, and it turns you into a fool. And you can make a mess of it. And then if both of you do it, 
then it really gets bad. And that's why you hear even good Christian leaders, good Christian men, good Christian women, and, and you hear men, they just had a knockdown drag out and now they're in trouble. Why? It's the flesh, right? So uh, one guy had trouble in his marriage. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but he was a computer programmer and he thought like a geek. So he wanted to fix his wife. He wanted to fix what was going on. So this uh, young computer Greek, geek, not Greek, geek, <laughs> he sought an answer to his problem. And he wrote a letter to tech support. What else does a geek do? Dear tech support, last year I upgraded from girlfriend 5.0 to wife 1.0. I soon noticed that her new program began an unexpected child processing that took up lots of space and valuable resources. In addition, wife 1.0 installed herself into all of the programs and now is monitoring all my social activity. <laughs> Applications such as Poker Night 10.3 and Football 5.0 and Hunting and Fishing 7.5 and Racing 3.6. I can't seem to keep Wife 1.0 in the background while attempting to run my favorite applications. I think I'm thinking about going back to Girlfriend 5.0, but the install doesn't work on Wife 1.0. <laughs> Please help, signed, troubled user. The letter comes back, dear troubled user, this is a very common problem. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest line in the whole gig. This is a very common problem. Many people upgrade from girl 5.0 to wife 1.0 thinking that it's just a utility or an entertainment program. Bam. Oh no. Wife 1.0 is an operating system and is designed by its creator to run everything. <laughs> it's impossible to uninstall or purge the program files from the system once installed. Wife 1.0 is designed not to allow this. Look in your Wife 1.0 manual under warranties, alimony, and child support. <laughs> I suggest installing the background application called Yes Dear to alleviate the software augmentations. The best course of action, by the way, the best course of action is to enter the command C colon backwards space, I apologize. Because ultimately, you will have to give the apologize command before the system will return to normal. <laughs> that boy's in trouble, huh? <laughs> Anybody ever feel like that? You stepped into a training, you stepped into something, you go, how in the world does this thing really, really work? Well, it works like this. So we talked about the flesh. You know what it is, it's just cravings of their own selfishness, it's, it's anger, it's malice, it's lack of trust, it's slander, it's all of these things, that's the flesh. But the spirit, listen to this, is love. Doesn't, doesn't your marriage need love? It's joy. Do you have fun in your marriage? How about peace? A lot can happen, that's good, if you just have Peace, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. Guys, listen, patience. Kindness. Just kind. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, being good, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
That's what the Spirit brings in a Christian's life who surrenders to the Master. And when two Christians come together full of the Spirit, then great things happen. And so when we read in this text, and we're in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and it reads like uh, you should submit, let's just read it, verse 16. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, let your eyes fall on this text so that your heart will be open in your Bible. Here's what it says. Let, let rest upon this text. Listen, it's God's Word that God gave you, that men and women died so that you could have a copy of God's Word and let your eyes fall upon it. Listen to what it says. It says it very clearly. Chapter 2, verse 16, For, uh, 1 Peter, he's going along and he says, as God's slaves, we are as God's slaves, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. So let's set this out from the very beginning. We are slaves to the master, to the Lord God Almighty. He has no rivals at all. He is the Lord, not me, not you. Now, guys, listen. Now, this message is going to go right to guys because it's going to talk about husbands in a second. Listen, I know you're cool. I know you're great. Some of you are amazing. All of you are amazing. Let's say it that way. Um, very strong, very creative. But let me say this. You are not as smart as God. You can't outthink God. You don't know better than God. I don't know better than God. You're not more creative. I mean, you might be able to create a business. You might be able to create a spreadsheet. You might be able to create art, but you can't create the universe. I mean, face it. You're outmatched. In fact, you can live really strong and really healthy just for 72.5 years, and then you're in the ground, and you will not get out until Jesus shouts, and then your body surrenders up to the Lord. You are no rival to God. You are no match. And so I highly recommend, if you want a blessed life, a great life, you surrender to the one who knows all and is all-powerful and who loves you dearly. Amen. Same for you, ladies. But it, we're talking to the men. So it says, as slaves, that word is doulos, meaning bondservant, meaning the kind that gets all through the ear in the doorpost. I, you, I own you. And so when you say that, we have these shirts. You might see somebody walking around with these shirts, and it says, uh, what's it say? Does someone have it on? Yeah, call to serve. And I didn't, I didn't think of that. Someone else just, I don't know who thought of it, just showed up in the shirt, and the staff just had it. You probably did it, didn't you? No? Okay. Anyway, and I just said, that's a good shirt, called to serve. And that's who we are. We're called to be slaves, all of us, to the Lord. And honestly, when you and I do that, it is the most freeing experience to surrender to Jesus, to fall in His arms, to fall in His wisdom, to fall in His guidance. And then we say, I am a bondservant. Here's something I've noticed. For those who experience that and who do it, they never have any problem with any word submission in this text ever again. I noticed that. The only people who have a problem with the concept of submission are those that have never submitted to the Lord God Almighty. Because the Lord God Almighty is in control of everything. And so we, with strong souls, with volition, choice, we choose who we submit to. And the Bible says you submit to the lowly, you submit to the humble, you submit to those in charge. And he tells us who to submit to. And it's just powerful how that works. So here's how we do it, men. And this is what makes marriage incredible. And let me say this, men, I know, let me, on the outset, ladies, don't listen to this. 
But guys, I know ladies are incredibly intimidating and because we don't understand them at all. They're AC, we're DC. They're Venus, we're Mars, or other words. I don't know. We, we, I, I acknowledge the fact we do not understand women. In fact, there's a story. I don't think it's true, but it's a story. And the guy was walking on the beach and he finds a lamp and he rubs it and out pops a genie. And the genie says, I'll give you three wishes. It's your lucky day. And he said, okay, uh, I want to be the richest man in the world. Poof, he was the richest man in the world. And then he said, okay, what else? You got two more. Make it quick. I got to go back to sleep. He says, I want my kids to behave. And poof, they turned into robots. That's awesome. He said, now what do you want? He said, look, I've always wanted to go, I want, always wanted to, go to Hawaii, but I, I, I'm afraid to fly. So could you make a road from San Francisco to Hawaii so I could get there? And he goes, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. The tons and tons and tons of concrete, the engineering, the pillars. I can't do that. I don't have time. I don't have the, I can't do that. What else? What's your last wish? And he says, well, can, I wish, help me make it where I can understand my wife. And he says, do you want two lanes or four lanes on that highway? <laughs> now, the reason that it's a joke is because there's a lot of truth to that. And guys, I relate. I'm, I'm married to a woman, obviously, and it, it, is, it can be incredibly difficult. They, they feel things I will never feel in my life. Women just sense things that I don't sense. And your, your spouse will sense these things. You just, you don't get it. We, we are disadvantaged when it comes to feelings and intuition. Uh, it's just obvious. It's, it's, it's not just scientifically proven. It's observed. You can see it. You can reduplicate it. We'll go into a room. Chris and I will. We'll leave. And then she'll say, did you feel that? And I'm going, what? <laughs> you know that guy? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see nothing, sense nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. You're up here. I'm down here in this area. That's the way it is. Or when it comes to them sharing their feelings, it becomes very difficult. It's hard. Very seldom am I out drinking coffee, hanging out with the guys, and something will happen, and one of the guys say, so how did you feel about that? That just doesn't happen. <laughs> That's not in our conversation. It doesn't ever come up. And so, no, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> Here's our, listen, ladies, here's what happens when we're eating donuts or drinking coffee, going to lunch. So one of the guys will say something and then we'll say, so what happened next? I mean, let's get to the story. What'd you do? Oh, okay, that's what I would have done. But we never talk about how did that change you? How did that make you feel? So that's not, that's not part of our vocabulary. But with ladies, that's their first vocabulary, right? They're feelers first, generally speaking. And that's the way they communicate. So guys, we're tough. But here's what it says. It says here, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, Husbands, in the same way, in the same manner, with a submissive heart, in the context of this whole flow, starting in verse 16, you move down. And there's a mutual submission that goes on. And the way that we submit to our wives is learning to understand. And it's complicated. Wives, husbands, in, in the same way, live with your wives with understanding. Now, first of all, let's talk about living with wives. Living has to do with geography. You have to be in, this will be local. You have to be there, and it has to do with time. So it's with space, and it's with time. You cannot say you are living with your wife if you're never around or you don't pay attention. You may 
you may be in the same room, but not paying attention. This is saying, men, you are to be living with your wives, to be engaged in the same activities, in the same hobbies, in the same burdens, and not putting some burdens on your husband or putting some burdens on your wife, never to share them again, or never sharing responsibilities. That doesn't work, but mutually living together and with your wives. Let me just say what the Bible says. You are not to live with someone who is not your husband or your wife. You are to be married. You say, what difference does that make? It's covenantal. We talked about it last week. It's a covenantal relationship. Peter is saying, live with your wives. No one else's. Married. And what is married? Well, it has to do with vows. It has to do with promises. We talked about this last week. It has to do with a reflection of what a covenant is all about. And so there's usually symbols involved in covenantal relationships. And there is an officiant. And there, is wit- there are witnesses. That's what marriage is. It's, it's not just a piece of paper. It is the covenantal agreement so that when we say husband, wives, we know what type of expectations we're talking about. Without that covenantal relationship, we don't know what God expects me to do or to be as a husband. So living with wives, here's what we do. Understanding. Understanding. It's, it's asking the follow-up questions. It's uh, Chris and I have been married for a long time. A lot, it seems like yesterday, but it has been actually many, many years. And I'm still learning more about Chris that I've never known. She's learning more about me that we've never known. And it might be that uh, getting older, I've become a little more secure in who I am, and I don't mind feedback because I want to grow. And I learn things that are valuable about her. But these things come from asking follow-up questions. It, it's, it's actually becoming vulnerable. Because when a, a woman wants to give her opinion, sometimes it might be 60% opinion and then 40% resentment. Do you know what I'm saying? Now that never happens in what, I just don't want to get, it just means it can happen, right? <laughs> right? It can happen. And so it's a possibility that you need to weed through some of the static, some of the gorilla dust, if you know what I mean. That's what gorillas do when they want to fight. They throw dust everywhere, and you don't really know where the gorilla is. You don't know where to point. You don't know how to understand anything, and there might be all kind of stuff. But as a man, you are to blow through the dust, get to the core of the issue, go, oh, I got it. I understand what you're talking about. And you, instead of just protecting your insecurities, forget that. Live with wise. So if you want a great marriage, man, listen. Learn to understand. It's called intimacy. Into me see. That's what your wife is saying. Into me see. And so that's what we are to strive for. Understanding in this level. And then it goes on to say, men, if you want a happy wife, not only knowing your wives completely, but also understanding she is a weaker vessel. And if you first read this, ladies, you might get offended. You might say, look, I ain't weak. No. That's not what it's saying. It, I mean, spiritually, women can be stronger than men in any capacity. Emotionally, women can be stronger than men in any capacity. Intellectually, that one's obvious. <laughs> they can be stronger than men in any capacity. So it's not talking about an inferior species. It's literally just simply talking about physical strength. I mean, think about it. They lived in an area where you know no one had jobs behind computers. No one had office jobs, basically. Everybody was out working, and so the men would get bigger and bigger, and the ladies didn't go to gyms because there were no real gyms that ladies could go to. And so they did, the men and women did domestic type things, and the men got strong. And so here's the point. Men don't allow your physical strength to be an issue of dominance in the household. 
Live with her in honor as the delicate vessel that she is. The term weaker vessel is a cliche that's not just talking about a weak person soulishly, but speaking of a dainty object. For instance, if you had a rock that's really tough and hard and you had a flower, one would be a weaker vessel than the other. You can stamp on a rock and it looks like a rock. You stamp on a flower and it no longer looks like a flower. It's similar to a crowbar and a, uh, a temperature getter. What's that called? Thermometer temperature getter. <laughs> Jeez. Where did the temperature getter? Where do you get that? At the temperature getting store. That's where you get it. It's called a hospital. So you got a thermometer and you got a crowbar. So a crowbar, you can pry a big rock out of the ground. With a thermometer, you don't dare do that. But with a thermometer, you can test the delicate temperature of tenths of degrees in a child's mouth. But you wouldn't stick a crowbar in a child's mouth. You see the difference. One is delicate and valuable. You can get an iron skillet like a man, fry an egg in it, or you can get a a beautiful Chinese vase and you don't dare put it in the heat. It's delicate. It's where chivalry came from. Let me get let me get a poll. How many ladies like chivalry? Am I saying it correctly? Chivalry? Yeah, because only half the ladies rose their hands. So I was just checking that. That's when guys open the door for you. Single ladies, that's when guys always buy dinner when you go out. That's what that means. You open the door, courtesy. It's because of honor, weaker vessel. And it's something that's just natural. There are big differences between men and women, no matter who you think you are. You're different. Male or female. Very different. But then also, so not only were to know her, your wife, completely, not only were to honor her thoroughly as just delicate and valuable and precious, but also look at this. This is one of the most important parts. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. Men, your wives are the, one for, is, are the ones for whom Jesus died. They, they are the ones so precious that God saw in eternity past your wife's need that you never could meet. And he died for her. He saved her. He washed her by the water of the washing of the word. He filled her with the spirit. And he, listen, he claims ownership of your wife. That he is, she is his daughter. And dating Chris, I met her dad, he's a big old dude. Scared of him, you know, could yell at me and criticize me all he wanted because I was fixing to take his daughter. In fact, he wrote me the coolest letter. I don't know if we still have it about some guy from Oklahoma going up and stealing and raiding a castle and taking the prize. And it was really it was one of the greatest letters I ever got. It was a very, it was a blessing saying, you can have my daughter. That didn't even compare to the ownership, the relationship the father has with your wife. And you know what he wants her day to be like? He wants her day to be full of encouragement, dwelling in peace, words of affirmation. And if the father could speak directly to your wife, he would be saying certain things that you probably don't even know yet. And now he has allowed you to live side by side with her. And trust me, friends, listen, brother, he protects her. And so when I know that I'm going to face her spiritual father someday in that relationship and give an account, then I need to be careful 
It's, it's like she not only is, is precious in her own right, but your wife is so precious because God says so and gave the most valuable thing he had, his own son, to die for her. And so she is unbelievably value, valuable in every way. And if you don't acknowledge that, um, you're, you're spiritually dim. Um, you are probably full of pride, which we all men, we, I am, we are. And you are slow to learn. And it even, it even bears out that when things aren't going good, you very seldom put yourself in check or you very seldom question your own motives or your own attitudes and you always point the finger at someone else. But the reality is when we see our sisters like this, everything changes. When you're dating, man, she's a sister in Christ. I have three sisters. Um, I know how to treat sisters. I know how to treat sisters in the Lord. They're co-heirs with Christ. It changes everything. And then lastly, if you don't do this right, then, then here's the negative side to men. Uh, that your prayers will be hindered. You can take this word two ways, hindered. You can, you can take it as absolutely stopped, that you cannot go into the throne room of God. If you bow your head and pray, you're only talking to yourself because God is not listening. It's as if God says, listen, if you don't live in an understanding way, if you don't try to know her completely, if you don't honor her thoroughly, if you don't fear her Father in heaven and the way you act, then don't even try talking to me. That's what God says. Your prayers will be hindered. I remember one time a guy saying, man, my prayer life is a mess. seems like when I pray, my prayers don't get above the ceiling. And then I asked, so how's your marriage? And he said, I'm not here to talk about my marriage. I'm here to talk about my prayer life. And I said, how's your marriage? Because there is this sum total of who you are. Men are really good at compartmentalizing things, but God isn't. God sees us all as one. You know how people say women are like spaghetti, just all twisted around? <laughs> right? Okay, don't leave me hanging out here. They are, right? <laughs> You don't know where, you know, like, like you have a bad day at work, then the whole rest of your life is bad. Your husband's mad at you, then all that day is bad. But guys, we're like, what is it? Waffles, right? We have little compartments like this, and we could, we could have a bad day at work and then go fishing and have a blast. Or we could have a bad day of fishing and then come home and say, hey, honey, love you, you know? And, and so we're very compartmentless. Women are more enmeshed like this, in generally speaking. But brother, if you're compartmentaling your life and you're not... Uh, loving, you're not understanding, you're not living with her in fear of her father in heaven, and then you want to try to play Mr. Spiritual, Mr., you know, having tattoos of Jesus and showing everybody or having bumper stickers and being all this and that or playing Christian music, but yet your relationship with your wife is a mess? You're not, you're not fooling God. So this, this word um, says hindered. It can either mean just hindered, like a running back, running through the line, and he's slowly going through, having to work, and it's hard, or it means absolutely stopped like a brick wall. It's one of the two. But either case is not good. It's not good. So my relationship with God has a, is based on how well I'm treating my wife. Now, she may not receive uh, all these things of me doing right and the marriage not being good, but I'm doing my part. If I'm doing my part 
and I'm growing and growing, God will begin to bless. Do you realize that when, say you have a family who doesn't know the Lord, when the man gets saved, there's an 80% chance everybody in this household will be saved. Did you know that? They'll come to church, they'll be faithful, and their lives will change. That's how much influence you have, man. And just a little bit of change in your life goes a long, long way. And then you change 1% here and 5% here, then 20% here. The next thing you know, your life is being transformed and your whole family is being transformed. Here's the statistics. 80% of the men that get saved, their family come alongside. If only the woman gets saved in the family, there's less than a 40% chance that that family will be saved. If a teenager or kid gets saved, it's only like a 10% chance the whole family will be saved. So these are observations. These aren't edicts. This isn't a prescription. It's just a description of what happens. And the reality is, men, when you step it up, more than likely, everything else steps up. It's just fantastic the way this works. Now, men, I, I I wish I was a better husband today. I wish I was a better husband yesterday and the weeks and the years before and the decades before. I do. I wish I knew now. Uh, I wish I knew then what I know now, right? So, it, I mean, we all have regrets. So how about we do this? How about we forget about the past and how we might have messed up and we just move on in the future? How many of you know that we all can make big messes of marriage, right? We all have regrets in that. Some of us, we still have some scars from that, right? But how about we take God at his word and we move forward from this point over? How many of you know that God's mercies are new every single day? Every day, it can be a new start. What if, you know, maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage? What if you just said, you know what? Uh, We're going to call a moratorium. We're going to call a truce. We're not going to talk about any of our problems for an X amount of time. We're just going to work on love. How about that? I'm not saying you ignore some of the, some of the things you might need to work through in the past. You, you might need to do that. But do it. If it's sticky and really tough, call a counselor, call a pastor. We'll get with you. Life group leader will walk with you through that. We'll coach you how to work through it. But why don't you just take a moratorium? Maybe it's 24 hours. Maybe it's 24 days. That's up to you. And you just say, you know what? We're just going to love each other. We're going to communicate. I want to know you. I want to honor you. I want to fear the Father so that my prayers are not hindered and I want to move forward. So one of the beautiful things is this. When you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then the past is gone. The Bible says that we're new creatures in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And some some Christians, you have done away with some of the old, but you haven't completely embraced the new. I mean, you, you have the Spirit of God inside of you, but you haven't embraced the full submission to Christ, the fullness of the Spirit, the submersion of the Spirit, the walking in the Word, the intimate time with the Father in the Word, the prayer, the fellowship, the service, and you need to get involved. Men, listen, we need you. We have a mission here that's way beyond what happens in these walls, but penetrates your family and your neighborhood and your world. God wants you to go to places you haven't even been to yet. He's calling you into things you're not even equipped for yet. You just have to say, here am I, send me, put me in coach. And he will say, get off the bench and get after it because I'm training you. This is where we train in the fellowship, Sunday school, life group, church, worship, mowing lawns, helping cook, and getting involved. 
and then get in the game. You say, look, I don't know what to do. Oh, we can show you. We have hundreds of men here, if not every one of you, who have served like this. Man, dedicate your life to the Master. He's worth it. Give Him your soul. He'll save you. He'll change your marriage. (laughs) Your life will be fantastic. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glamina's Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.